Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Big Recon on Sports Podcast. I am your host, I am the Big Recon. Today is Sunday, January the 16th, 2022. And as I promised, once a week for this entire year, we're going to get you some content. So, tonight is a very special episode because, as you see, it says the entire episode is battery back together for one simple reason. I was a pitcher in my youth, and I had three catchers I trusted implicitly. One was my father, which... He'd been catching me since I was little. Two was the kid who lived around the corner from me who anytime I wanted to throw, I could throw to him. Tommy, if you listen. But number three is actually sitting backstage right now. He was the starting catcher on our district championship team in 1996. We're old, but no comments are to be made. And I honestly threw two of my greatest games ever to this guy, but I also gave up a dinger that my neck is still hurting from 20-some years later. The incomparable... The force of nature that is Mr. John Rice. John, welcome to the show. It has been 20 years since we have done something. We've had face-to-face conversation. Wow. How are you, friend? I, I can't believe it's been that long. I've been doing fantastic. So good to see you, my friend. You too, man. You too. I can't believe we're this friggin' old. <laughs> I can't believe you brought up that district championship stuff. Oh my gosh, that still brings up some horror memories. Horror remember oh is that because you're that I, that you got the dirt in your eye, right? Well well that and and losing to Westlake the way we did in the, oh, in, that in, the punk. Uh, in the semifinal or the yeah, the was it regional championship or semifinal? regional semis. State semis, I think it was. Yeah. And, and then, I gotta tell you, that dude who he, he it should be illegal the way he was throwing. <laughs> it was hey, it was a fun ride. We it was it. We, we still talk about it now, so it's funny because I actually talk to Nick Creedy's once or twice every couple of weeks. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Um, so you and I got into it a little bit on Facebook about our buddy Baker Mayfield, but oh. we're going to save that for the end of the show. Sounds I want to dive into your video about the CFP because um, Nick and I actually went to uh, the Tulane game back in 2018. We saw Haskins. We saw all those boys play, but we did a show the night before when we were in Columbus and I had advocated for an 18 playoff at that point in time. And I see you have advocated for a 12 and I love the way you break it down. So tell me, how did you break it down? And you use this year's one through 12. I think you ranked them one through 12. Cool. I guess um, I don't rank them. I just let after the conference championships are done, that final mm-hmm. ranking that comes out, after the conference championships, I use rankings one through 12. And that, those are the rankings that I use. Okay. Quick question. The one question I did have is when you did the seeding of it, which I loved, by the way, the only question I had is I'm of the opinion that the conference champions should be seated no higher than six. Uh, the at-larges should get those other six and be seated that way. Okay. Because uh, personally, me – I would love to have seen a Georgia or Alabama have to go up to Columbus in early December. Oh, I don't, I don't argue that at all. Not at all. Um, and of course, as you know, my uh, 12 team, I do have the top four teams getting a buy mm-hmm. in the first week, because obviously you can't have 12 teams. It doesn't match up if you have all 12 teams playing, but that's kind of, that's kind of why you don't really want to include just the top six for champ conference champions, because if you, like, look at the CFP this year. Mm-hmm. We had four teams. Um, three of the Power Fives were out. We only yeah. had two. We only had two Power Five conferences represented: uh, Michigan in the Big Ten and Alabama, Georgia in the SEC. Cincinnati was a conference champion, but they were from the American. And then you had Baylor, who was a conference champion. Um, uh, Utah, I believe, was a conference champion. Um, both got outed. Um, and I'm trying to think, and Pitt, I believe it was Pitt. Was yeah, the Pitt other, won the, the ACC. Other, the ACC. So they were, they got basically shut out and they were power five conference champions. So they had did what they had to do and they still get shut out at a, at a potential chance of a championship. See, and that's my biggest issue I have with the CFP. Uh, a stat that I gave out a while ago on one of my episodes, I'm going to give it to you now. For, now with this year, four times since the AP poll came into being in 1937, there have been a non-conference champion has won a national title. The very first one was Minnesota, which 
blew my mind. And the next three are Nick Saban's two Alabama teams and this year's Kirby Smart's Georgia team mm-hmm. winning a national championship without winning, getting done what needs to get done, in my opinion, and I think yours too, to get to play for a championship. Yes. So <laughs> I love your idea, 12, and I love the first round bye. Um, so if I'm trying to remember, that means the Bucks would have hosted Utah at the shoe, their 6-11 and 11 game. Correct. Um, and when I say the conference – I was in the conference champions uh, in the top six. I mean, rank them one through six, the top team from the group of five and the power five champs in the top six. And the bottom six are all the at-large bids. Your, okay. your Georgia this year, your, if they didn't get their conference title, make them earn it, in my opinion. And the I, top I, four get I that. totally agree with that too. And also, it, it, that also would take a, away the chance of, I, I personally think, Georgia laid down for Alabama in the SEC championship game. Um, I believe that Georgia was by far the better team all year. Yeah. Um, I thought they were basically uh, an NFL B squad. Um, they were that good. Um, their defense was just unbelievable. And their running game was top notch. Absolutely top notch. I'm surprised that their passing game showed up the way it did in the national championship game. But their defense was just unbelievable. Stetson Bennett had a night. <laughs> Yeah, I I was shocked. I was actually surprised. But that, but then that just showed me that they kind of laid down and took it easy against Alabama in the SEC championship game. And I don't want to say that they did that because they want two SEC teams in. Honestly, if I'm Georgia, I don't want to play Alabama twice. But they did. But they, they knew that if, even if they lost that game to Alabama, they knew that they were still going to get into the top four. So I don't think that they put their blood, sweat, and tears on the line for that SEC championship game. Now, had that been a potential where, okay, now you're playing for the top seed and a bye going into a 12-team thing, or you lose that game and now you drop out of the 12, now you might possibly have to travel somewhere else. But in this case, they actually stayed at number three in my bracket because I ranked them 1 to 12. They stayed at number three, so they would still get a bye week, but the, the, but the thing is, is even if they lose that game, there's, that's not a guarantee. That bye week wasn't guaranteed to them. But losing to SEC the way they did, it was still guaranteed that they were getting in the four-team playoff. Yeah, and I agree with you. And that was my biggest issue going into conference championship week, outside of you know the Bucks laying an egg in Ann Arbor, uh, not getting a shot at Iowa. Um, let me ask you this. So you your 12 is actually one of the better ones I've seen, by the way. I've seen people oh. try and put together – I tried to put one together, too, uh, with 12 a few years ago, and I'm looking at it going, how the hell am I going to do this? Um, so your top four get a bye. Correct. Now, do you – and you said the first – is it the first round or the first two rounds would be on campus? The first two rounds would be on really? campus of the higher seed. Yes. The reason why you want to do that is because, one, you earn your spot into the playoff, and every other playoff system – they all play at home games until they yeah. get into the national championship game. You look at the FCS, you look at Division Two, you look at Division Three. They all play home games until they get to the national championship game. Then it's finally neutral territory. So I think if you use the first two rounds to play at the higher seed, you give those those opportunities for you know, you know, you get the home field advantage. You earned it. You get it. It's there. And then for the and then for the final four, the semifinal and the final. Then you go to the, your bowl games and your natural, uh, you know, non uh, neutral territory. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I really listen. I know they play them in a couple of years. There's a home and home schedule. I think starting in 2027 between Ohio State and Alabama. Mm-hmm. I want to see those Southern boys have to come up where it's cold and play. Yeah, but you're not. You know, it's not going to happen. Those are going to be early September. No. Yeah, that's going to be no. Maybe late August. It's going to be in the first few weeks. It's not going to be in late October or anything like that. And no. I mean, they could, they could always do that because the Big Ten always has a bye week somewhere later on in the season anyways. You know, oh, I had, the, I had the way to make it work. Oh, yeah. oh did you? Yeah. Oh, it's very simple. You want to know what it is? Sure, please. Cut out those BS cupcake games at the beginning of the goddamn year. Start the conference schedule a week early. I, yeah, I, I would agree with that. But at I the, like same, the, time, at the same time, those FCS schools, 
even though a lot of them come in and they get their butts handed to them, it's it's a big payday for them. They're not going to give that up. And I and I understand that. So everybody's resume maker is usually a early season non-conference game against a powerful team. Okay. As in September 3rd, we got a real good one. Yes. I can't wait for that one. Especially with his no. with more with Marcus Freeman's new linebackers coach. You see who it is? No, I did not. It's James Laurinaitis. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'll that'll he, make for some interesting headlines. Well, you figure he played at Ohio State. He's bringing in Laurinaitis, the old linebackers coach from Ohio State, the one they pilfered from Michigan, is now the D line coach at Notre Dame. Yeah, I saw that. Yes. I mean, this is. Watch Ryan Day run the score up. I mean, it's... <laughs> that'll, that'll be intense. I and I and listen. It's Notre Dame, Ohio State. I mean, it's it's, it's a yes, huge and, one. Yeah, and that's that's always a huge grab. Always. Yeah, exactly. I'm surprised they haven't been. I haven't. I'm surprised they haven't been in talks for home and homes for years. I'm surprised they what they've probably played what maybe ten times in the history of, of, of college football. And the last two the in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know the exact number of how many times they played, but I know it's not a lot. And every time, everybody wants to see Ohio State Notre Dame. Yeah, so like um, I have the schedule right here for next okay. season. Um, yeah, they go from Notre Dame to Arkansas State. Wow. Yeah. That's see that, that but you know what though? That's also that's uh, them saying. Uh, we're going to give you a juggernaut out the gate, but then we're going to give you a cupcake to recover. Yeah, with the redone schedule, they play their first five at home. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> Yeah, because it's it's Notre Dame, Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, Rutgers, and at Michigan State. Wow. Yeah. It'll be an interesting it, – it'll be a fun – I'll tell you what. They, they Other than what they did at Michigan, they, they were hot. They, they played well. That Rose Bowl blew my mind. I also got in trouble because I ordered gear five minutes after the game was over. <laughs> oh my but there, god! But, but there's your Utah Ohio State matchup. Yeah, and listen, I I watched your whole video, and I got to tell you, he, he, when I do my show, I got to I honestly I bullet point and go from there. You had you were like as detail oriented as I as I've heard. I hope to God we get the NCAA football game back so I can actually sit down and draw that up and play it. <laughs> I no, You know what? I actually have the old school one from like the last one they made from like 14 or 15. And 14. I wish I, wish I could uh, customize a bracket because uh, I would definitely do that for sure. That'd be the first thing I would do. I have 14 as well on the PS3 and I bought it brand new probably five or six years ago. And I still spend fifty bucks on it. Wow! I, because I it's the last one. It. I play it with my son. I, I will sit. There <clears> do you really? Play it. Yeah. Well, yeah. He'll he'll sit in my lap and we play it. And like it's oh, it's a lot of fun. We I, we love playing it. Yeah, Zach I, is I more personally. I think it's more fun than Madden, but that's my personal. Opinion. Oh, I think it's far more fun than Madden. The only <laughs> thing about Madden that I'm interested in twenty two is: Did you see the Campus Legends thing they did? No. They added Alabama and Ohio State to the Campus Legends uh, part that you can play. So allowing you to play it as college teams. Oh, no, not even as college teams. Your quarterback is Justin Fields. Your running back is Ezekiel Elliott. You have both – I'm pretty oh. sure it's both Bosa brothers or one Bosa and Chase so Young. It's almost, so, it's like, so it's like an all-Madden team for college. Basically. Oh, Jack Tatum is involved. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Antoine Winfield in the defensive backfield. I don't know, but if Laurinaitis isn't a linebacker, I'm gonna be heated. <laughs> Hold on, Justin Fields, Captain Ezekiel Blair. Elliott, uh, Joey Galloway, jo okay. uh, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Cameron Hayward, Joey Bosa, AJ Hawk, Denzel Ward, Jack Tatum. Wow, AJ Hawk! Spe oh my gosh! Wow! Did you see? What, off topic. Did you see what McAfee did for him on his birthday? No. I he sent the Ohio. He sent Bobby Carpenter and the Ohio State alumni band to AJ's house. Oh <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, AJ was pissed. That's, that's awesome. I wish I had that kind of pull. 
It's well, I don't think McAfee does. I think that was more Bobby Carpenter than anything. Oh, I'm sure. But I'm sure. So obviously the CFP was pretty mellow, uh, pretty terrible until the championship game. Yeah. Uh, Michigan got the doors blown. I was shocked the Orange Bowl went the way it did. I honestly thought that that would be the better of the two games. Um, but they got bullied. Yes. And, and it all happened in the interior, offense and defensive line. It all it did. happened in the interior. I was I, I was actually shocked the same way to see them just absolutely manhandled just the entire game. Um, and I pulling back the curtain a little bit. I'm actually a Michigan fan, so I was I know to finally see Michigan in the in the playoff there, and just for them to go out and lay base virtually the same egg that Ohio State laid against them, and that was. That was not the same Michigan team that we saw against Ohio State. That was not the same Michigan team that we saw against Iowa. And no. granted, Iowa was they won their they won their division of the conference and and they represented. But I was not I, I, I was flabbergasted that Michigan laid that big of an egg after what they did to Ohio State and Iowa. I will say this: um, I was on another podcast a couple days after the game, and I got to tell you, this year just felt different to me. As big as a lunatic Ohio State fan as I became living out there, um, it, this year just didn't feel right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I will say this. Your boys played a perfect game against yes. the Bucs. Yes. And and unfortunately, with as powerful as Ohio State's offense was, they had to. Yes, yes. And, and here's the scary part. Ohio State is young. <laughs> they're, they're, they're all freshmen. Like so many freshmen on that offensive side, and that's 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 terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. Marvin Harrison's kid had five catches all year. He caught three touchdown passes in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, Jackson what, Smith, player. Jackson Smith, and Jake will be back next year. <laughs> yeah. They had a lot of receivers. They had a few receivers out for the Rose Bowl. They had and, their top. They had two yeah. of their top three. Yes. Uh, Olave and Garrett Wilson both sat. Yes. Um. Side note to the next topic, which one of them do you want the Browns to take at 13? Oh. Um, they have to go wide receiver. They have to. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, I don't – yeah, I can't um, – I don't know why they wouldn't go house uh, a wide receiver, but I – Do you want a route you, you runner or do go, you want an explosion? Time, I, I would have to go – you have to go best available. Um, you have okay. to go best available. Um, if that's a wide receiver at the time. Then, then take a wide receiver. I would probably want Olave. Um, Me too. I just, for some reason, I just think his he he has better hands. Yeah. I, I didn't think he dropped the ball at all, hardly at all, from Washington. Couple times, but, but uh, not as but, not that much. Yeah. Um, I would probably go Olave if that if that's, yeah. that was my choice. I would too. Jim uh, Crenitti actually said Garrett Wilson. He thinks he can take the top off the defense. To which I said, "We." He said, "We need an OBJ type." I said, "We didn't have an OBJ type when he was here." Uh, <laughs> but and, well, yeah, we'll get into that as well. So you I know what? Let's just go. Let's yeah, just go. I, I, I thought that was a terrible move for the Browns to get rid of him. I, I do that too. Was a terrible move. Even though he was not the same OBJ of old, um, no, you, the defenses still had to respect him. And mm-hmm. the fact that you had to respect the fact that OBJ is on the offensive side of the ball, yeah, he might not have got the touches, he might not have gotten the uh, the looks, um, but at the same time, he was always a threat. If he's on the field, he's a threat, and the defense had to respect that, which opens up your running game, which opens up your play action passes, which opens up your slot receivers, which opens up everything else. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. And and as much as they want to talk about it as as a as a headache as he is. I don't know the stuff he, the antics he pulled. Those were all like individual stuff. But from what I understand, yeah. in the locker room, he's a great teammate. So, as listen, as a human, as a person, I had no issue with him at all. He was a model citizen when he came to Cleveland. Uh, they really, what have we heard from Zeitler since then? No, yeah, so they didn't give up a ton. Um, but I want to, I, I want to play hypothetical with you real quick, and I, I'm going to do this. Hopefully, Jim doesn't listen to this before Friday. I may tell him not to because I'm asking the same question. Um, I think we can both agree on this. Last year in the AFC Divisional round, 
there was an egregiously missed helmet-to-helmet hit on the turnover when Hollywood got drilled and fumbled the ball into the end zone. You you want to talk about egregiously missed? That that is your opinion. I I come on in the in the NFL that's not a foul. Helmet to helmet is a foul. It's <coughs> not, not tar- it's not targeting. But not in the act that they he was not a defenseless player. He was a runner with the ball, so he was not a defenseless player. And you can still okay. make helmet contact with a non defenseless player. Can you lead with it though? Because he led with it. That was that's a different story. That you could you could t- debate all day long is whether or not yeah. he led with it, or you know what, what he was what was he doing with his arms and hands at the same time. So, but that that comes a different story. But I don't I don't believe that that hit was a foul. Okay, and that's coming that's coming from an, a football official. That's right. You do that, I, don't you? <laughs> I I do I do that. But let me ask you this then. That aside, so they review every turnover, right? Yes. In the NFL. I am of the opinion if a foul caused the turnover, they should be able to call the foul on review. Much like the targeting in college. No, I I, I totally understand that. What I – honestly, my personal opinion is I think they should bring the college rule of targeting into the NFL. Oh, you know what? A man after my heart. Bring, bring, yeah. Give them all the fines that you want and all that stuff. Let it be able to be created by replay. Um, let those helmet contact fouls be able to. You have the technology to do it. Why not? Why not? Agreed. Um, would that play necessarily been? It would have been reviewed automatically because you have a turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, because the fumble creates a turnover, so that play would automatically be at least, you know, looked at more intently. Um, but I don't know if they would even be able to come in and create a foul in that matter. Okay. Um, based on that play, but there in the in the college rules, there are very, 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 very few um, plays where fouls can be created by replay targeting. Is tar- targeting is like the only the biggest one. It, are is there more than just targeting, or is it just that, or well, probably um, intentional specific, grounding? There's specific things that have to do with the line of scrimmage, um, uh, uh, linemen downfield, um, whether or not the player uh, was, uh, whether or not the uh, quarterback was across the line of scrimmage when he threw the ball, um, things of that nature, where replay can actually come in and create a foul. Okay, so let's say on that play. It created the foul. Okay. I think we both think that gets overturned. They get the ball. The Browns are going to score there and probably beat Kansas City in Kansas City. Most likely, yes. I think they would have smoked the Buffalo Bills. Last year, yes. Okay. If the name Baker Mayfield is under the starting quarterback for a Cleveland Browns team, that goes to a Super Bowl, and this year, ha- and they and Brady wipes the floor with him like he did Kansas City. Would you and I have argued about if they should keep him or not? Because I think he'd have gotten paid. He he would have gotten paid. He like they wouldn't have they wouldn't have uh, they would not have they would have paid him. They, they would yeah. have paid him before any of this happened. They would have paid him last offseason. So and then and at that point, at that point it becomes moot because that you don't. This discussion isn't even happening because he's already yeah. been paid. He's not, like you know he's under contract and it is what it is. That being said, it did. Reality, <laughs> reality sets in and he comes out and lays an egg this year. He did. Agreed. Um, so let's say this: he shouldn't have been playing. Oh, I I absolutely agree. One hundred percent. They should have sat him. Because before he got hurt, you are talking about the most efficient passer the first three or four games in NFL history. Yes. His when his shoulder got hurt, that's when they should have pulled him. I want to say the following week after his shoulder got hurt, either was a bye week, I think, or 
they went out and won without him playing. I can't remember exactly. No, the bye the bye week was late. The week after he got hurt was the Minnesota game where they ran the ball and played a shit ton of defense. Yes. Um. So, so let's go here. They had already uh, picked up his fifth year option, so he will be the starter next year yes. unless something crazy happens. Correct. I have always been an advocate because I would. The night he came in against the Jets, I was at my sister's. That was the Thursday night before Nick and I went down to Columbus. The whole city changed. Oh, absolutely. It wasn't just it wasn't just stadium, it was the whole city. When healthy, we've seen what he can do. Yes. I would not pay him like Dak Prescott. I wouldn't pay him like Patrick Mahomes. I wouldn't pay him like Josh Allen. I would lock I would lock him up for Five years. And if you got to draft a kid in year two of that contract, draft a kid in year two of that contract, get him a deal. Because he doesn't seem like the type that if you sat him down and said, Baker, listen, we want to get a team-friendly deal done, keep you here for a long time, because we can keep Chubb, we can keep Hunt, we can keep the wide receiver core, we can keep the offensive line. You know we need the whole thing. Would you be opposed to a deal like that for him? Or do you no, just want him out of town? Absolutely not. I, I, he is not in my eyes, even though what he has done in the past, I do not believe he's on the elite tier of quarterbacks. I don't either. I believe he's on that second tier. So yes, I do believe he would need to make some type of franchise friendly contract. But the question is, and you know what? He might do it. He's, he's the type of person. He's very Cleveland oriented. He's very team oriented. Um, you know, he, he's very much about the community and everything around that surrounds Cleveland, you know, as a whole, not just the Browns. So I think if anybody would do it, I think it would be him that would be willing to do that franchise friendly contract to lock him up for four or five years. Say, you know what? Hey, we want to keep you around. We like what you do. We like what you bring to the table. We like how people react around you and we want to lock you up. But you got to help us out here. And I don't and. There are very few players I think you and I can agree on that would actually do that. Probably, yeah, and and true. I would, and I would put him towards the top of the list. Yeah, of guys who would do that. And, Unfortunately, and the, I think Lamar would do it. And the well, one of the other ones is the goat. He's already done it. He's done it a Tom, few times. Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, he's done it a few times. Yeah, is so, it just me or so, is he more likable now that he's not with Belichick? I don't, I don't think he's ever been likable. I've, I've always liked him as a Michigan guy. But I don't think anybody's ever really truly liked him other than New England people. And it seems that Gronk has started to rub off on him a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I, I, I find it funny that he goes to Tampa now and he almost has a little bit of swag to him. I know, right? <laughs> he, he almost has a little bit of an attitude. Like, it's almost like he's a – like, we always knew he was, like, on the edge in New England. But it's like in Tampa, it's it's magnified for sure. Absolutely. So it oh, and sun. <laughs> It's got to be. And it brought joy to my heart to watch them take that L last night like that. Uh, yes. <laughs> I hate that team. <laughs> I know. I mean, I picked up the Browns. Fans and I, yeah. yeah. I picked but up it, the Browns living out there. You know what? It, everybody's always been, oh, d- does Bilicek need Brady? Did Brady need Bilicek? And it's they like needed overwhelmingly each other. showing that Bilicek needed Brady. I always knew Belichick needed a quarterback like that, like or like well Brady in this instance, because I lived in Cleveland when he was the coach for the Browns. Yes, <laughs> and he was terrible. They're still using Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cornell's playbooks. Can we please just start talking about this? <laughs> yeah, and I and I have no idea. I, now my mind's drawn a blank. The offensive coordinator for Buffalo now. Uh, oh, uh, was it uh, Dable? I have no idea how he's being as successful as he was when he was terrible here in Cleveland. He was atrocious um, here in Cleveland. It's two things. One, Josh Allen is yeah. is that town. And another thing is he's in a town where they're the only game in town. That's so that you can, you can I mean the Sabres are the Sabres, the NHL is whatever. Yeah. But you can't not be competitive with the Buffalo Bills. So it almost seems like they trust the football people more than any owner in Cleveland has until now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So 
So, yeah, I would keep Baker on a team-friendly deal. I won't put all this entire season on him. I won't. Um, no, I no, I wouldn't do that either. But at the same time, it, 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 it's it's a combination of both. It's a combination of coaching, administration, and Baker. Um, Baker also needs to say, man up and say, hey, guys, I just can't. As much as I want to, I just can't. His shoulder was bothering him. His leg was bothering him. And you could tell every time he tried to step into a throw, he couldn't He couldn't step into any of his throws. Everything no. was sailing. Everything was high. Everything was uh, – he was very inconsistent. His, his, uh, his completion percentage drastically dropped after he got hurt. Yeah. I mean, so – and all that related to the fact that he was unable to actually step into his throws. Yeah, I agree with you. And the thing is, and I and I think for me personally, that's why I'm giving him a little more of a pass for this year because he did try to warrior it out and he did try to play every snap he could. But at the same but time, I think he shouldn't he, have to. No, he shouldn't have to. Especially when you have a quarterback in Keenum behind him who knows Stefanski's system, who knows what's going on, and who's obviously stepped in and played well when he needed to. Agreed. And who was making $6 million as a backup. Yeah. So, but there's, I I would rather have, I would, and this also goes on Stefanski and everything else. I would rather have uh, a Keenum playing at a hundred percent rather than a Baker playing at 65%. If he was even 65%. If, if that, if that. So, and here's the thing that kills me and what's not being talked about. And I loved Rex Ryan when he coached the Jets, because I was still rooting for the Jets then. And I've always had love for the Browns, but when they released Mangold without even a let's redo your contract, they became dead to me. I did the mafia thing. I was done with them. Um, even Rex Ryan, who's a defensive guy, couldn't say it because he's so much because he hates Baker. That team is three defensive stops over the season from having played yesterday against the Raiders at home. Yeah. Even with Baker the way he was, you cannot blow a two score lead in the opening game. No. You cannot give up 28 points on the road to the Chargers in the fourth quarter. You're right. And you have to be able to stop Derek Carr one time. Yes. Agreed. Three stops. You're talking about, well, they they end up eight and nine. You're talking, they have the same record as Cincinnati, and they beat Cincinnati twice. Yeah. Browns would have won. Browns would have won the AFC North, and the Raiders would have had to come back to Cleveland on the lake. In January, no, yeah, no, they would have they would have beat him. But hey, big up to Joe Burrow. Yeah, oh my gosh, boy, is he a stud! Wow, I saw something on Twitter tonight. Someone was complaining. Oh, Burrow should have been the guy at Ohio State. So someone put up Haskins' numbers from eighteen and his numbers at LSU from eighteen. Oh God, it's scary. Well, uh, and that's the thing. He knew. He knew it. He knew he wasn't going to get the nod there. Well, he broke the hand the year before in the spring game because it would have been him coming into the Michigan game when Barrett got hurt. The one Haskins made that throw up in Ann Arbor, and then the next yeah. year they just put it on their throat. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he knew he wasn't going to get the job. Urban told him early, which I think was a great move. He went to LSU. <laughs> they put up his numbers from 18, 2,900 yards, 15, and 6. Haskins went for almost 5,000. 50 and eight. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> but, now, but what's Haskins doing now? I, mean, I will say this. There have been two first round quarterbacks that have been drafted into absolute garbage positions. He was one of them. The coach didn't want him. The offensive coordinator didn't want him. The quarterbacks coach didn't want him. He was drafted because he went to the same high school as Dan Snyder's kid. They changed coaches. The coach didn't want him. The offensive coordinator didn't want him. And they brought in a quarterback's coach who did nothing with his style of play. He could come back to bite us, though, with where he's sitting right now, especially if tonight goes the way I think it's going to go. Uh, I think it will. Because I think he's better than Mason Rudolph. Oh, I, I would I would say that. I don't think Mason Rudolph is, is a uh, you know number two backup guy. But at the same time, it's like I don't I really don't think as talented as Haskins is, and I might get a lot of flack for this, I don't think he's very cerebral. I don't think he's very Oh no, cerebral. he's not. 
No, no. <laughs> so, I so, wouldn't say. And when I wouldn't say not and smart. When, and when you get to the league, when you get to a league, you 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 gotta have that. You gotta have that that football intelligence. You gotta have that mm-hmm. field awareness. You gotta have that, and that, and and I think that's where people, you know underestimate even like Bernie Kosar back in the day with how cerebral he was as far as a quarterback goes. And, you know, he might not have won a Super Bowl, but man, that dude can throw himself out of, out of trouble because he knew, he, he knew what was going on. He, and, and that's mm-hmm. the type of mentality that Haskins needs. And I don't know if he has that, but we'll see going forward because he'll obviously have an opportunity to play for a starting position now that uh, Big Ben is leaving. Thank God. <laughs> I know. I know. Listen, I've never liked him. I it, I can't even begin to tell you. Last <laughs> the the playoff game last year, I was sitting in my living room in my chair and I'm watching it and the snap goes over his head and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Then they pick him off and I'm going, wait, what what's happening? Is there a camera here waiting to see my reaction? What what is this? <laughs> So, I mean, and I think that that game last year, the way they opened this year um, against Kansas City, the way they played a lot of time, even with Baker Hurt, I have a lot of faith and a lot of excitement for 2022 for the Browns. Yes. We we touched on it briefly. They pick at 13. I think we even if you're using your best available mantra with the draft, if I'm Cleveland, I have to go wide receiver. Yeah, like, and that's why I said I think in the teens, I think at, when you're picking at the teens, I think you have to go best available, um, mm-hmm. you, you, because it it doesn't matter who you have at that specific position, unless it's obviously quarterback. But there's not going to be a best available as far as quarterback goes at 13. That's just not going to happen. But if, if if it happens to be a linebacker, why not? If it happens to be a safety, why not? You know what? I mean, if it ha- if it happens to be a guard. You know, if it happens to be a stud guard, you know, coming out of like Alabama or something like that, why not? You know, you gotta you gotta beef up some positions. You gotta you gotta you gotta hit depth hard. You yes. gotta have depth. Obviously, it shows that you gotta have depth. But if there's a wide rec- if wide receiver is the best available on the board at a time, you, you gotta do it. No, I agree. I mean, I personally first round, I think you go biggest need. Um, cause it, it, and now that I'm doing the podcast, I've been getting into mock drafts and stuff. Um, so I normally go biggest need in the first round, uh, even when I'm picking for teams that aren't mine, I, I look for biggest need just to kind of keep it all, uh, on the level. Unfortunately, I, I, I think the biggest need for them is either going to be O line depth and it's going to be. No, it's going to be defensive secondary depth because as good as Grant Delpit yeah. was coming back from the Achilles, and JOK is going to be a phenomenal player. And he's wow. oh, good God! Wow, I we wow. I did two hours on draft night because Bobby was still in the NICU when uh, the draft happened. So, but it was in Cleveland, so of course I'm going to be all in on it. Mm-hmm. And I remember the second night, and I. I text Creedy's and I text two of the guys in Chicago I do shows with. And I went, JOK is going to be a Brown and people are going to be pissed. Wow. And the one guy's like, no way he falls (laughs) that far. And then they trade it up. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, it's like, I know what I'm talking about. That that was, that was the diamond in the rough last year of last year's draft. I can't believe he fell. I'm surprised. I, I was surprised too. Um, it's not like the man doesn't have talent. I mean, so I don't know if there was something else going on. He had the heart issue. Oh, that's right. That is right. That is right. And didn't his didn't his coach like not have his back? Wasn't there something about oh, who, like, Brian Kelly, that piece of garbage? Yeah, but like <laughs> something something about the coach threw him under the bus for something or other. And yeah, so yeah. so yeah, so he came in with red flags that didn't end up being red flags. Yeah, and then with as good as Grant Delpit was, with listen, Newsom was great. They're yeah. going to pay Denzel yeah. Ward this offseason. My my, <laughs> you're probably going to hate me for saying this. I Why? I think Ward is overrated. I think let me let me let me finish my statement okay. completely because that's um, a jersey hanging in my closet. If Joe Woods 
puts Ward on Ward Island the way the Jets did with Revis Island, I think Ward has the ability to be a Hall of Famer. Ward is probably one of the worst zone coverage corners oh, I have ever seen. I have ever seen. He's, Hand he's to, nowhere. He disappears. Hand to God. If, Hand if to God. If he plays zone, he disappears. He's gone. Hand to God, I believe you. And I agree with you. That's why I think they should sign him, because I think Joe Woods is going to get fired. I There were a lot of things that he did this year that we were just shaking our heads and going, he hardly ever brought – you have two – like you have state, you have bookend defensive ends. You know, Clowney wasn't the Clowney he used to be, but he's still Clowney. Still, and then you have the best defensive end in the game on the other side. Why are they not pressuring the quarterback? It seemed like they only rushed three or four every single time. And they played, like I said, they played more zone than I've ever seen him play. Exactly. But when, but when Ward played man, he was lights out. Lights out when he played man. See, now that's the comparison you made. And living in upstate New York and following the Jets like I did when Revis was here. I mean, you could spout off the dudes he just shut down. Yeah, and I think Ward could do that. if he was. I think he could too. If he's I agree with you. He's tall if enough. You, it's not like he's short. He's tall enough. He's fast enough. He has the athletic ability. Just put him on Ward Island and just let him let him do his thing. And the scary part is, I think Newsom could be that guy too. That would be wow. That would be really scary to have two shutdown corners that like that, hey, like that. You want to you want to hear something crazier than that? Sure. I make JOK a safety. I would not to say not just a safety. I would turn him into like a Palomalu. Just and that's what free, I'm thinking. Just give him free reign to just do whatever he wants. And let Grand Delvin be Ed Reed. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Why aren't you and I running the Browns defense? You could absolutely turn this Browns defense into that Ravens championship defense. Absolutely. Is anyone as funny as Tony Siragusa, though? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know him that personally, but that dude was... <laughs> I, yeah. I would love to have him mic'd up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So last part, because um, I want to keep this. I got to beat a bet at some point in time, even though I'm off tomorrow. He's He likes dad in the middle of the night. I don't know. Um, just wait, dude. Just oh, wait. Well, I've lived it. Ready to live it. I know. Same here. I was ready, all. Ready to do it again. Can't wait. I love this. I love this. The 21 and 18-year-old stuff. <laughs> that, that I can slow down on. Yeah. <laughs> 10, and this one, 10 and 7 and this one coming, so I'm ready. Yeah, I got, I got a pretty big gap between mine. So if you had to pick four things that the Browns could do this offseason to improve the team, what would your top four priorities for Cleveland be? Wow. Huh. Now you're talking about overall as an organization, not just specifically any anything specifically. You're just saying just overall as an organization. Over overall as an organization, putting the best product to give them a chance to get to where we want them to go. I think the number one. I think Stefanski needs to relinquish his play calling and just be a head coach. Go get an stop OC. reading my mind. Go get an OC. Stop. Just be a head coach. We know he's a good coach. Just be a head coach. Mm -hmm. um, I think Joe Woods needs to go. That's number two. I think they need to bring in uh, not someone who's just going to blitz on every play, but I think they need to bring in a more aggressive style defense. Um, number three. I got a name for you. <laughs> I got a name three, for you. Go on. Like you said, beef up the wide receiving core. I, I They need a deep threat. They don't have a deep threat. Peoples-Jones – shows flashes at times, but he's not, he's not a consistent deep threat. Um, and beef up the defensive secondary. Okay. So you read my mind on the first two. Um, and I think Alex Van Pelt could be the play caller. I think he's, he knows the offense well enough and he could do it. Um, obviously Stefanski's going to help game plan because it's his offense. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And we know – but we know what him and Baker can do together when Baker's healthy. And Stefanski's not off his uh, out of his mind. Uh, 
do you know the name I'm going to throw at you for defensive coordinator? We're not going, they're not going to get him because he won't give up his day job. They need a Rex Ryan type. They need yep. the Rex Ryan that ran those uh, Ravens teams that was in Mike Pettin's ear when he was with the Jets. Yes, yes. That's that's the type of mind they need. Yes, absolutely. And that's what I was talking about as far as being the, the aggressive mind. You know, go out there and take it. Just go. They, they were way too passive, way too often as a defense yeah. here. They just let teams do whatever they wanted to them. Yeah, no, I agree. The third thing I would do is, yes, beef up the defensive secondary, um, but I would do it – I wouldn't do it through the draft. I would go get a proven guy uh, to stick in that back end and make sure Denzel Ward does not leave Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, first and, and we foremost. can't beat them up entirely because they had a lot of injuries. They lost a lot of people. They did. They the did, but this – Exactly, but the things that killed me, there were a couple of them when they were at full strength that just made me go like this. If I had hair, I would have ripped it out. That game in, in against the Chargers was number one on the list. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't say you're a great defense and give up 28 points in the fourth quarter. Yep. Herbert's not that good. No, no, that that yes. But the fourth thing I think they ought to do light a fire under Baker and go bring in another proven backup. Bring in somebody who could take his job. Case Keenum can't take his job. We all know that. Yes. That's Bring right. in somebody who could take his job. That would be interesting. And a motivated Baker Mayfield could be a very, very scary thing. My only issue with that is what happens in the first two weeks if Baker comes out and lays an egg? Now you open yourself up to the quarterback controversy. You know Keenum's not going to take his job. But if Keenan has to, he can go in. He can replace Baker for a week or two. That's true. Give Baker a break. We know that Baker still has a starting starting nod. But if he has to, Keenan can come in and, and you know finish out a game. Baker just doesn't have it that week or whatever. But if you do that and he goes out and lays an egg in the first couple weeks and then you bring in the backup who you know can potentially take his starting position, then you open yourself up for a huge controversy. You know, that's I always hated issue. when you that's were right. Issue with that. I always hated when you were right. <laughs> <laughs> they always say, they always say, if you have two good quarterbacks, you don't have one. So. Oh God! Yes, they do. They say that, and you know what? It's it's almost true because you're always flip flopping. Okay, who should have the starting job? Who shouldn't? And, and then it's always a back and forth type thing, and and that's what happens. And that's why I think you need to have an established starter in Baker and have an established backup in Keenum. Um, there's really not much else. Sorry to burst your bubble on that one, but I, no, I, it's my, that's just my take on, on that. Yeah. I, I would just, I would just love a, a, um, I would love him to have that motivation somehow. Uh, Keenum, maybe the contract is what to do a, it. But Keenum's not like, he's not a, 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 a he's not a career backup. He has over 14,000 yards in the league. I know. He has almost 80 touchdowns. In the league, so he's he was, not. He was the starter in Minnesota for. He was the one to throw the ball to Diggs. Yeah, so I mean, it's not. Like, <laughs> it's 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 not like he's a Mason Rudolph who's just been a, a backup quarterback his whole life. You know, yeah. that's not how who he is. He's been a starter in the league. If anything, I think they should go into knowing let Baker take the reins, but let him know that hey, Keenum can do the job too. Yeah, no, I, I I think you're right. So we're gonna wrap this up. We got we're gonna do this again. This was too much fun. Uh, but next time you and I do this, we're gonna get into our game, and we're gonna talk baseball next time. Oh yeah, and the and the new look Cleveland Guardians. Um, oh my gosh, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm still on that. Thing. Don't get me wrong. When you have the juice to have Tom Hanks do the voiceover for the introductory video, kind of gets you going a little. It does. I, but my, my opinion is that it's, I don't mind, I don't mind the name. I don't mind the name. I just think it's a little too inside as far as Cleveland is concerned. I don't think the nation can rally around the Cleveland guardians, given how, how Cleveland centric the guardian name is. Yeah. Uh, There's an easy way to fix that. Throw Charlie Sheen out there on opening day with a 99 <laughs> Guardians jersey on. Everybody will know who they are. 
I'll have to wear my uh, well, it'll it'll say Indians across the front, but I'll have to wear my Vaughn jersey next time we're on. <laughs> Stitching's not I'm, hard to learn. It's signed by Corbin Burnson too. So do you really? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I actually I wore it to an Indians game. The, the the PR guy noticed me and asked me where I got the jersey from, and I told him that I had it made. I had it specially made. I had the numbers triple stitched and everything, and the name triple stitched on the back. Twenty four Dorn. And he goes, Do you know, did you know that Corbin Burnson's thrown out the first pitch uh, next week? And he's like, if you want, I'll take your jersey. I'll have it signed by him, and I'll send it back to you. And they did that, and I, I was like, that's awesome. So, so one of that's a crazy. Yeah, definitely one of a kind. Really, Roger Dorn, though? I'd have gone with Jake Taylor, but that's just me. I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't go with Jake Taylor. No, I, <laughs> as, a, as a catcher, I should have went with Jake Taylor. But you know what? I think Roger Dorn is so he's so under underground. I think it's like more, you know, you see the Dorn jersey and everybody's like, oh my gosh, you seriously have a Dorn jersey? You know, it's, it's not Taylor. It's not Vaughn. It's not all these other guys. It's it's, the, it's, it's not, not really Mays Hayes. Yeah, it's not Hayes. It's it's Dorn. It's like, he's like like number five or six on, on, on the, you know, the, the list of, of names that should be listed there. Somebody needs a Rube Baker jersey. <laughs> yes. Rube, oh my gosh. Like well, listen. <laughs> we will tell baseball stories next time. I promise. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you again for being on here, John. It was I, an absolute treat tonight. As always, everybody, Big Recon can be found here on YouTube and on Spotify is one of their new video podcasts. One of the few things Joe Rogan and I agree on. Um, <laughs> Facebook, Big Recon on Sports. The uh, Twitter handle at Big Recon on Sports. Google, Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Live hit Friday night. Happy birthday, Big Recon. And we are going to talk Cleveland Cavaliers. And we're going to talk the Browns. And we're going to talk the CFP. Jim and I with the Wise Guys Show, the January edition. John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Good luck Thank with you, your baby. Friend. Anytime. We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one.